Welcome everyone to Kasama Hanko season seven with the theme of how do we tell our stories and how do we reflect on them? Especially with this season, we want to highlight many of the stories of those who not only has immersed themselves with the culture here in Hawaii, but really took upon themselves to learn about the different things that is going with our community. Today on the podcast, I have the honor to interview a great community leader and I met from people. Um, and I personally am excited to have this conversation and chat and really get to know their oral history. So without further ado, may I have our guests introduce themselves, tell us about who you are, where are you originally from, your personal pronouns, and if you could describe yourself in a Filipino dish, cuisine, or dessert. All right. Um, thanks, Chazri, for inviting me in your podcast. I've listened to some of your episodes. It's great to hear a lot of insights and thoughts from other Filipinos in Hawaii. That's why I'm excited to be here. I'm Adrian Gahigan. People call me Ad. I'm born and raised in the Philippines. And now I'm based in Honolulu just for my PhD. So I'm here just for study. And I consider myself transient in Honolulu. After my graduate studies, I plan to go elsewhere. My personal pronouns are he and him. And I always say that Filipino or Tagalog has this gender neutral. So he, him, or she. Right? So a lot of Tagalog, we don't use our pronouns or our language is um, gender neutral. What else? So what Filipino dish or cuisine or dessert that may disguise my personality? That's difficult. I was thinking about this earlier and I thought of halo because halo-halo is like, there's a lot of taste in there. And I would like to think about myself as halo-halo, which has a lot, a lot of um, different things, different interests. I think, I hope different skills too. And halo-halo are very flexible too. Some, some um, versions of halo-halo, you don't need a lot of condiments or whatever things you put in there. So, so there. I, I like your addition of that answer. I think whenever I, I like to ask I like to ask this first before like really getting to know you because I feel like our because food tells a little bit about who you are. Like food is your basically your definition of who you are, especially with how your experiences are. And and honestly I feel like when you said um when you were sharing your brief introduction, I'm Really, I'm just very excited, especially because I not I never have the chance to talk to anyone, especially anyone that's an international student who actually came from the Philippines and really knows the the growing up experience. Because I also was born and raised in the Philippines, but I never I never really talked to anyone. Being born and raised in the Philippines. And I think this is like a very generic question. Have you personally struggled 
trying to embrace your cultural identity? Yeah, that's a good question. When so I live in the Philippines for 27 years and then I live in Hawaii. I've been here for like three years. And when you live outside of your home, you'll see better your culture. Because there's like this distance that keeps your, um, you can like critique, both critique and appreciate your culture. I think I have better now appreciation of Filipino culture. And if I'm struggling with my cultural identity, I would say yes and no. Uh, no, because I've surrounded myself with a lot of also BIPOC people in Hawaii. So I've never had a chance to really like to undergone racism affront. So I don't have like this struggle of um, cultural identity. Yes, in, a, in, a, in my work, I would say in my work, a lot of people are white. So it will force you to have an understanding or like it will tell you that you're different from them. It's really a stark contrast to work with different kinds of people. It did. Honestly, kasi when, you, when, you, when you explain like 27 years in Pilipinas and then three years Tito, in, in the Philippines, you're just surrounded with the same people the same similar people like you like you and then here similar thing but it's just there's a there's a little bit other flavors i don't know why it's the flavors <laughs> i'm thinking of halo <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we started with halo halo uh uh-uh. uh like there's different things and like when i realized in the philippines like have you ever ever like doubted yourself In the Philippines, because you always have to kind of have that sort of expectation, like you're always like. I would. With that, because it's all yes. the same Filipinos, like you're. Yes. That's a good question because if you think about, um, you said about if I feel different, let's let's um, bank on that, let's anchor on that, being Filipino, not necessarily being Filipino, but being queer. So I identify as being queer. So being queer growing up, you will um, feel very um, different, alienated by your like hetero friends. So I think on that aspect, I would say I feel different, especially in Filipino culture that is really conservative and just starting to be um, to to just be exposed to a lot of LGBTQ issues. But still, we're still far from being progressive in terms of like accepting um, our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. Okay. I like I thank you for bringing up the, the the anchoring on the different part like especially with our own identity, our own cultural identity. Um, it, it's it's heavenly especially with how conservative Filipino culture is like it's only focused in one thing. Not knowing that we're all we're all a mix of different. Um, how did you almost persevere yourself? I'm now like listening to like a lot of podcasts and reading a lot of books on like um, this topics on um, queer and gay stories, and I think I really relate to the fact that there's a part of you that you don't show to people, so you need to perform something in your personality that is that will not that in a way be tolerated by the people around you and there are your group of friends that you can be all out and just be yourself so i think 
a lot of queer people learn how to shift their quote-unquote personality in order to adapt and protect themselves. I think shifting more is how did you see yourself before and now? Yeah, like what I said earlier, I have now more grip on the pros and cons of Filipino culture having been outside of the Philippines. And now I'm more appreciative of Filipino culture. I'm now more appreciative of like, in the Philippines, we're very communal. We're very community and family-minded. Even though Hawaii is not the U.S., it's still um, very westernized. Here, it's really the individualism is very strong. And you know, you know, in the Philippines, I always... Um, joke with my friends in the Philippines you don't need to like schedule dinner with friends you can just go to their house and just hang out here you need to like um schedule a barbecue schedule um lunch with them so in that aspect it's very um how do I say very friendly I think and very um community minded although that also has a pros and cons right You're invading sometimes the privacy of your friends or something like that. But here, there's really a, the distance between people that it's hard to like um, um, go through or break. I noticed that like in like Filipino, in, especially with us in our Filipino community, like they were always like, oh, if we're planning something, someone was like, Tara na, okay, we're all going. But then in like here, in like western more westernized like oh i need to ask like it's just very that's why we're more reluctant to be hesitant just being being in our communities it's like we know we know who we we know each other we know we know our attitudes so like i'm not afraid to like just but then you're also right like sometimes we forget the boundary it has advantages and disadvantages but um I'm worried about a lot of Americans in a way that a lot of depression happens just because they don't have that closeness with um, friends or families as we have in the Philippines. You always have someone to like, at least in my understanding in the Philippines, you always have someone to like go to. To, to bring it more into your story, I said this is your story. <laughs> What helped you? What has been your guide? Your guide? Your guidance? I think I'm very lucky to be here, just because again, there's a lot of Filipinos here. So when I came here, um, for grad school, immediately in the dorm because I live in the dorm in campus. So I live in East West Center. So just in East West Center, there's like five to six Filipinos who helped me adjust to the life in Hawaii. Um, that's a great help for me, actually. Um, and the funny thing is, 50% of the time I um, speak in my native language and 50% of the time I speak in English. So it's really helpful for me adjusting. One of my guidance too is I listen to a lot of um, Filipino music and I, listen, I, and I watch a lot of Filipino movies. And through that, I feel connected with uh, my, I feel grounded really just hearing like Filipino music throughout my first year. That's the only thing I think I listen to mostly. Were you bringing that especially, I wanted to ask if you ever had this moment of being forcedly assimilated? That's a good question. Um, I would say in my work, in the academia itself, there's a lot of forces that will, there's a lot of external forces that will 
yeah, force you to to assimilate, quote unquote, because there's certain structure you need to. There's a checklist that you need to pass in order to like survive in academia, right? Um, um, one of the thing is like you need to like sell them. You shouldn't like question a lot of authorities in academia too. Um, you should question them in a tone that is like acceptable to them. So there's a lot of tone policing also in academia that you should be like this level of professionality, even though a lot of um, graduate students, a lot of BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color, graduate students are exploited in a way and they have um, living in harsh condition. Um, yeah, I think in a way I'm more, I feel like to an extent, I have this like checklist in academia in order for me to assimilate, in order for me to survive in that particular part of my life. I only ask because like, especially with hearing, with trying to hear your story, like being always, be, especially being in a white institution like you, which Manoa, where it's predominantly like advertised to a lot of white species. Actually, it's a good like observation, right? Um, UH Manoa has been before I, before I came here, has been say, saying a lot that it's a very diverse um, student population. But when you came here, there's a lot, the majority is still white. And even the, um, the people in power are white. So that's the difference. It's like four false advertisement trying to get the diverse people, but in actuality, it's like just, they're not really trying to hear a lot of our voices. It's mainly like, let's get them, but let's put these people up. Bring into family more, kind of bring it to home. How was your upbringing like with your family? Yeah. So I grew up with, my father is an OFW. So there's a lot of Filipinos with OFW parents. So there's our parents who work abroad so you're left with your aunties or uncles or grandmother or grandpa who can take care of you. Whoever is like in the Philippines on that time, moment in time. Not having my father around, so that's one. And also I grew up... Um, how do I say this? So my parents are separated actually. So I grew up... Um, with my father when he came back from working abroad. And then I have my stepmom after that. So that's um, basically just the gist of my um, family life. And because of that, I've been, I think, I've been become very independent um, because of um, that experience. And just to ask, are you, do you have any siblings or are you the only child? So I have a brother. I have a biological brother and have um, two um, lovely stepsisters. And my stepsisters have um, husbands now and they have kids. They have like cute ne uh, niece and nephews. So we are a big family, as you know, in the Philippines. You have like a huge family, which I now talking about it, I, um, I miss them. Being away from home, it like that distance, it really draws the heart. It really makes the heart grow fonder. That's true. But that's, um, that's a, again, like everything in life, there's advantages and disadvantages. 
right, of being away with family. Um, I think it's one of the um, things that any adult should experience, right? Living away from the family at the same time. It's really hard being away with people who are really supportive of you or like um, you can go to if ever you have problems. If since your family is back home, who is your family, close family here in Hawaii? Um, I would say everyone that I've like encountered is my family now here in Hawaii. Um, I really love the Hawaiian um, value that mm-hmm. even the mountain, even the ocean is your like um, great, great, great grandmother, grandfather. So every one of us is actually related. So I would like to think of um, my friends, workmates in Hawaii as a family, as a big, huge family, because I think that's a great value that Native Hawaiian is teaching us too. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's a really good point. And I only ask because being the only one, being the only one here and just making your journey and getting your PhD, I always ask, I always wonder, like, what motivates you to always continue? I think that's another layer of, like, complicated uh, discussion. Mm-hmm. Just because the, the, the very reason why I didn't study in the Philippines because we don't have much in, um, resources to pursue science in the Philippines. So our labs there are not complete. Um, equipment sometimes are very late. The reagents, the chemicals that you need for experiments are very late. It takes months, sometimes years to come. Um, so um, I, I risk studying in outside of the Philippines just because I will learn more, having more complete infrastructure and um, resources to, to train. So I think that's one of the motivation for a lot of like quote unquote professionals in the Philippines who are looking for um, uh, uh, more lessons or training. And but before I ask the, the 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 main question, I really want to get into like the ed- Philippine and American education, especially because um, I always hear that when you're in the Philippines the curriculum there is more stricter more it more it challenge you more and then here in america it's more relaxed not really they don't really push you as much like it's really on your own yeah i think that's a that's a great um summary of what's uh the the, the great difference between american and filipino um education although we don't have much in terms of infrastructure, our teachers are really great in um, teaching their students our values in like um, being very disciplined and um, studying. And we know because um, education is the only way out of poverty. So a lot of Filipino students value education. Unlike in the U.S., um, yeah, it's relaxed just because teachers are afraid that students will file a case, a case against them, will sue them because of some kind of, I don't know, issue. Mm-hmm. I think it's unfair for American students, right? If that's the case. Um, but I think, yeah, you've mentioned 
um it well that's that's okay I don't know how and to improve that I because I'm not um, um education major but I think that's Hawaii. one of um, um, um great observation it really on that puts aspect. into perspective a lot of what you learn in the Philippines because it's more it it really in the Philippines you're already used to like all the critical thinking um a lot of the what I remember because I I I immigrated here when I was second and then my sister I get I I was able to see my sisters how they kind of went to school like they really embedded a lot of high school with a lot of home ex a lot of projects camping all of the stuff in the Philippines and here in Hawaii is just like it's not there's no connection as much in the Philippines yeah at least for like elementary in high school um that's what i'm uh, hearing from people too and the final not not the final question but like the major question that i i think this will expand more is what does reclaiming your filipino identity mean to you yeah i think i've said this before um the concept of identity is like also dangerous because you're like um, putting a box on yourself and politically right there's like what we call um being trapped with identity politics that you don't go beyond with your identity so it like prevents you from building solidarity with other people for example um Sometimes it becomes um, an Olympics of the op oppressed, right? So we hear this, that who is more oppressed among all the marginalized people? So um, I think reclaiming um, my Filipino identity to me is moving away from a box and then trying to make connection from those identities outside of your identities, if that makes sense, right? Your Filipino identity shouldn't stop you from connecting to other humans that are that have different identities than you. So um, that's what that's what I think about this. Um, your question. The way you put it out there, especially when you brought up the Olympic oppression, like when we hear identity in the mainstream media, people always talk about like one over the other. If you want, if you if you had more things to elaborate for <laughs> yeah. I think aside from aside from um, Filipino cultural identity one thing economic class which is a um, very important part of our identity so if we grew up poor or middle class that really affects um, our current thinking our personality so it's a very important quote-unquote part of our identity that we need to like be mindful about um, our um, social class um, that, we, that sometimes are forgotten when you talk about Filipino identity because a lot of, um, a lot of the danger about our Filipino identity. I think we need to think about, um, we should have like a class consciousness, so to speak. We need to think about a lot of Filipinos in the U.S. and even in Hawaii doesn't have economic power 
um, I think even though we live in this island for a long time, we're one of the ethnicity that is um, very low on the quote-unquote socioeconomic ladder. Um, and we have to think about why is that happening, right? Aside from just being um, proud of symbols of indigenous crafts or whatever, Filipinos um, symbols that we cling I into. I feel like Marini, all the things that you brought up, it's very valid, especially because like what I've noticed um, from past interviews and from hearing your, what you have to say is when people who live in the diaspora, they really push and fight for being able to try to connect with the land, with being able to connect with the different things. But one thing that I've also noticed when I, in, when I, when I observe people from the motherland is there's this sense of unable to kind of see each other's struggle. Yeah, yeah, that's a very, very good observation. It's hard for Filipino in the Philippines to see the struggle of immigrants and for immigrants to really see what's happening in the Philippines. Um, so there's a lot, and we should carry that outside of this podcast too, to every like um, conversation, interactions that we will have outside of this, is to think about that. Um, it's very difficult for immigrants in the diaspora because they don't have access to the actual land, to the actual experience to be in the Philippines. But I guess what I want to say is be very, very patient and not just... Um, you should be like, go deeper than what you see. And you should read more. And maybe if you have a chance, um, hear more stories. So this podcast is really important. One example is this podcast, right? So you need to hear more stories about what's happening in the Philippines. Not just like um, um, on Twitter. Sometimes conversations can be shallow on like social media. So you, know, you need to go deeper. Um, than what you see and what you hear. I hope a lot of diaspora and immigrants have a chance to go back to the Philippines sometime, right? It's really just this very capitalistic world order that forced a lot of families outside of home. So yeah, that's another topic for, right? Another, another discussion. <laughs> I think one thing that I wanted to bring up because you're also part of and community organized of community organization. What have you learned just being a part of Anakbayan and just being part of my trip? A lot of the community spaces here in Hawaii. Yes. I think this is not to sound cheesy, but I think it saved my my life. Growing up, I have a lot of I'm angry towards what's happening in the Philippines and I'm angry also that I don't have much resources as anyone else. And Anakbayad and all these community organizing tells me that it's not my fault. Even my queerness, right? It's not my fault that other people would not accept my queerness. And also my social caste is not my fault. Um, so this um, community organizing spaces helps me to rationalize and to think about um, structural problems. And 
relate that to my personal problems and through that connection i can see na um na it's not me but we can work together to build at least a better way of doing things through this community organization because like with I feel like not a lot of people know when it comes to community organizing. They just see, oh, they're they're rallying in the streets. That's all. But it's more than that. It's really it it gives you a sense of courage. It gives you a sense of ability to be able to not only stand up for yourself but to to know what's around you. You're um and, right. Yeah. Um. It gives you courage. Um. It gives you a family, a community, if you need one. Right, and it helps you really grapple with a lot of struggles in life. And I would say. I think this will kind of tie in all the things that we talked about. Is uh, this quote that I found and I wanted to share? I think it's very relatable. Studying uh, history will sometimes disturb you. Studying history will sometimes upset you. Studying history will sometimes make you furious. If studying history will make Will, will always makes you feel proud and happy. That's a good um quote to say because right um we talk about immigrants, we talk about um Filipinos who are studying abroad, we talk about community organizing, and all of this stuff needs mm-hmm. history to be grounded, right? And this history is not um it will really disturb one's um. I think uh, when it comes to all of it. When it comes to our own sense of our perspective and identity, it's the it's the true emotions that will fuel like. And to shift onward is, did you ever see yourself where you are today? Now, that's a good question. I've never like seen myself living in Hawaii when I was in college. In college, I want to work for a corporation as a chemist. So like working in managerial position, like in Unilever and Nestle. I've never like seen myself um, studying abroad. So, but it's really a fruitful experience for me. I think that again, the universe or the hi- higher being like put me here. And shifting. Where do you see yourself in the next ten years? I hope home. I'm very excited to be back home after my academic training. I think for the next years I'll be continuing my um academic training, not specifically in Hawaii. Maybe I'll study in Europe, or maybe I'll study elsewhere. And then I hope at the end of that journey, with the knowledge, the wisdom, the skills that I will gain, I will be back home, teaching the next batch of students or scientists. It's really nice to think about that. So, yeah, I I hope in ten years. Anyway, um, the last one you said is you will be teaching the next batch of generation, and I think that's very solid. I say you have that knowledge and wisdom of being here in Hawaii, where you are surrounded with that different experiences of people, and like coming back home, you learn to teach them like this is who I met. This is what I've learned. Um, so it's on me to you all to continue the legacy that you have. Yeah, it's a great observation because I think I'll bring every conversation, I'll bring every interaction I have with every people that I will meet. Uh, will meet. And Hawaii will be a special place because 
Um, this is my first home outside of home. Um, so I think Hawaii will be special. So imagining going back home now and like being able to lecture in front of those students, what would you say to them? Um, specifically your advice to Oh my God, that's a lot of pressure for like, <laughs> for like old people to like transfer our wisdom because a lot of old people also make mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first suggestions or advice that I will give the young, the young ones is that first, don't listen to adults, right? Very, very critical of what adults say to you. Although accept them, digest them, marinate them, think about them, you shouldn't accept them as is. You should be critical of what they say. Um, one thing I noticed also, and it's not our fault, sometimes the advice we give is like a reflection of our own traumas and our own fears. So the children should be, throughout their life, I'm sure they will learn how to discern which advice is very helpful and which advice are not, right? That's the first one. Be critical in any advice that people give you. Um, the second one maybe is um, read a lot of books. I wish I have read a lot of books. I know social media is like shortening our attention span. There's no shortcut in like learning um, new knowledge and there's no um, alternative with reading books. I hope more people read books or if they want, they can read ebooks, right? Some people are very keen in reading ebooks. Um, um, what else? I think uh, one, pe- one thing that I always give my friends advice is that because passion is very, um, there's a lot of pressure in the concept of passion, in following one's passion, right? So that's what a lot of young ones is looking into. I don't have like, I don't know what I want in life. I don't have a passion, but that's okay. What, what a good advice for them is they need to follow what's making them curious. So whatever uh, making them curious at that particular time in life, they should follow that. Um, and if it doesn't work, you can just like try another thing. Uh, yeah, so that's my advice. Follow your curiosity and like the platform following passion because sometimes it's hard to find your passion. Mm-mm. And turning it back to you, how did you find your passion? That's a good question. Um, and it's a difficult one because I'm not sure if like um, I found my passion yet. I like doing science, but there is a lot of things that I don't like while doing science. Um, I like community organizing. It gives me a lot of energy seeing a lot of people who are passionate in social justice, but it's emotionally draining too, community organizing, right? Um, so I think I will follow my advice. I'm just here following what's making me curious now. And what's making me curious now is science and community organizing. And I hope I'll make a slight difference or impact on those and that concludes part of the podcast 
I really appreciate all the conversation that we've been having. Like you have, just by talking to you and listening to you talk, like you, I could already see the passion that you have, especially with all the things that you've done, like the experiences that you have gone through. I feel like with what you are learning right now, you have so much to give. Oh, thank you. And that's very kind of you. And honestly, it's like a all this oral history is like a book. It's like I've I've read your intro. I mean, I went to your first chapter, your second chapter, third chapter, but now it's like a book. It's nearing to the end of that chapter until we meet again, where different chapter will come. And one thing that I've learned from you is the the willing, the openness, and the adaptability. Yeah, thank that you. you have. And I hope to see you around Hawaii because I hope we're moving towards um, quote unquote post pandemic. I hope people in Hawaii get vaccinated. Um, so we can move on to like uh, meeting in person, pero may restrictions pa din, so Mm-mm. yeah. And to end off this podcast in a a a powerful thing is, what is your favorite ultimate favorite OPM song? Oh my God! Um. I just, I'll send everyone my playlist. So just follow me on Spotify. <laughs> All songs there are my favorite. I have a favorite band. It's Up Dharma Down. If you have a chance to hear them, hear them. Yes! Um, right? They're very good. Not a lot of people are into Up Dharma Down because I think it's more on the, I don't know, indie kind of band. Unlike Ben and Ben, a lot of people knows Ben and Ben, but... Abdarma Down is my favorite. They're very underrated. Yes. Up and Arma. I think my favorite song from uh, Up and Arma is Unti Unti because it just brings so much story to tell. Like it doesn't, I know yeah. it's, it came from Gaya Sa Pelicula. Oh, you watched that. Oh, I wow, watched nice it. <laughs> I love BL. I love BL films. <laughs> yeah, me too. We should have talked that about that on the podcast. I know. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to talk about it, but yeah, maganda nga ang um. Maganda. And a lot of um songs na up Dharma minsan very poetic. So minsan may hit up in the head, but still they have a good um story music. Yeah. I think, and this is a great way to end. It's like just just chatting. It's like. The one thing I really miss is I wish I really wish that I started early going back and learning about my own history because it's not until in college when I had the resources to learn about my own history and I felt bad because I went back home in the Philippines, but I never appreciated until I really got to see the the hurting things, the 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 the, the, the 
just the bad things that's been happening in the Philippines, and I wanna. Yeah. It, it, it's. But the good thing is, like, your future is ahead of you, right? Or you're still young. Mm-mm. So you have a chance to engage more on you issues too. in the Philippines, right? <laughs> yeah. We're all young. <laughs> all young. And I think that's a great way to kind of end the podcast. And if you have anything to add on, um, this is your time of the podcast to share anything about yourself. That, we, Especially if you... When you um, I guess this is like your segment to like promote yourself if you are doing anything that you want us to support you in. Yes. Thanks, Chachi, again for the platform to tell our stories. What you're doing is like very amazing and very helpful to the community. I know a lot of Filipinos growing up here in Hawaii, if they hear these stories, they will be inspired, I hope. Um, they will connect to some of these stories. One thing I would like to promote is join any organizations that are helping social justice issues. Not just in the Philippines, but for the Philippines, again, we have Anakbayan, we have Chirp. if you want to um, join. I know people are afraid, but um, yes, safety first. So that's um, one of our goals. We wouldn't like do anything that will harm anyone. Um, if people are afraid that we don't have the political, you don't have the political knowledge, a lot of us are still learning. And a lot of us learn a lot of political theories and all of these uh, social injustices just on the org. So I hope more people, more um, young ones, whatever org that they find that is doing something good for the community, they should join that. Um, yeah. And again, thanks, Chachi, for the opportunity. Uh, oh, I, I really, I really save the the best people to interview in the nearing to the end of the season, because um, I, 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 see you guys a lot, and like I always wanna really get to know. Or my goal that I, the, my goal why I started this is to really hear all of the stories here in the here in Hawaii, especially from. Those who grew up here, those who moved here, those who settled here, those who studied here. Because all of our stories are like interwoven and that's how we create a better community.